This morning we'll continue in the meditative cultivation of loving kindness. This time we'll turn to the Tibetan liturgy, kind of the expanded version of it, but just the first part of it. And that is, it reads, Sentintamje Dewadan Dewe Gyudandena Jimarung. It's the first, first line. And it's a question, it's kind of a rhetorical question, rather than an aspiration. It's a question. And that is, why couldn't? What to prevent all sentient beings, all of us, from finding happiness and its causes? And then, Dembaragyurji, may we be so endowed? So first of all, rhetorical question, as if there's no good answer to that. There's no, no good reason why we couldn't. And then, since there isn't any good reason why we couldn't find happiness and its causes, then, well, may it be so. So, that needs a little bit of unpacking, though. Because if we have what we have in mind is hedonic well-being, and if we consider the, the myriad desires that sentient beings have, there are all kinds of good reasons why people can't achieve what they want. May my, may my grandson go to Harvard. Well, maybe he will, maybe he won't. There's a lot of people who want to go to Harvard. His grades, who knows how his grades will turn out, whether he'll even want to go there, and so forth. So whether it's going for Harvard or may all sentient beings win the lottery. Well, there are very good reasons. Why couldn't all sentient beings win the lottery? There's some very good answers to that question. Why couldn't all sentient beings go to Harvard? Why couldn't all sentient beings have any array of hedonic pleasures? Well, there's all kinds of good reasons. And so, welcome. And so, when it comes to hedonic well-being, if we ask, why couldn't they? It's not a rhetorical question. There are a lot of reasons. Aging, sickness, and death might get in the way. Little things like that. And moreover, even when we aspire for something, whether it's your child going to Harvard, or getting a new car, or a job that you're aspiring for, and so forth, having children, uh, there's no guarantee you'll get it when it comes to the astonic pleasures. You, may, you strive, you may be incredibly intelligent, industrious, devoted, completely committed, and still not get it. That happens. You may get it, and once you've gotten you may be disappointed. It just didn't turn out. Which is, you kind of, why, why did I give all that effort for this? That can happen. Or you may get temporarily satisfied with it. And now welcome to a open-ended period of anxiety that you might lose it. That's when you win, you know. Because you get it, you're satisfied, and now, of course, you want to hold on to it. So just welcome to anxiety indefinitely. Until you lose it, and then you'll be disappointed. Or you lose it, and you wonder why you haven't lost it earlier, because you kind of got tired of it anyway. So the hedonic is a different kind of spin. But we would consider, why do we go out wishing for this, wishing for that? I would suggest, until I've heard something to the contrary... When we go out in this pursuit, in this hunter-gatherer mode, looking for people, places, objects, possessions, and so forth, we do so for one of three reasons. This is not Buddhist doctrine or dogma, not anything you have to believe. Just consider it as a hypothesis. It's because you think it will make you happy. That's a possibility. Or you think it will give you some excitement, a thrill, luminosity, a buzz, or you think it will give you safety, security, peace, 
serenity. One of the three. Maybe it will, maybe it won't. No guarantee. Not for any of that stuff out there. Maybe you'll deliver for a while. But maybe you won't deliver at all. Or maybe you'll never get it. But then when we consider all sentient beings, let alone Buddha nature, let alone pristine awareness, let alone that dimension, all sentient beings have a substrate consciousness. And if they just will release their grip on their desires, their hopes and fears within, you know, the mundane, within this world of appearances, just release the grip and start to let their minds settle in their natural states and discover their own natural resources. They already own it. It's already theirs. There's just, you can rob people of all kinds of things. I mean, you can rob them of their intelligence. You can do major damage to the frontal cortex and you can rob somebody of their intelligence, can't you? Damage their memory, damage the mem- uh, emotion center. You can do a lot of damage to people's minds by way of their brain, that's for sure. Let alone cut off their limbs, take out their livers, cut off their toenails, you know, things. If they really have nice toenails, they might not want to lose them. You know, there's all kinds of things people can take away from each other, but one thing you can't take away is you can't rob somebody of their substrate consciousness. And if you would, then you'd have two. What would you do with two? You know, even if you could, I mean, it'd be kind of useless. And so, when you consider that's our birthright, and that all it's doing is waiting to be unveiled, and while in the hunter-gatherer mode we may simply fail, as we're going out, we just may just not get it, when it comes to the practice of shamatha and the cultivation of the mind, the refinement of attention, the unveiling of these qualities of substrate consciousness, every moment that you're practicing shamatha, you're accomplishing shamatha. If you're practicing correctly, you're accomplishing it. Right? In that moment, you should be a little bit saner than normal. If you're not, then you're not practicing correctly. Right? A bit saner than normal, a bit more relaxed, a little bit more calm and composed. Maybe slowly, slowly, a bit more vivid. But you're cultivating. So if you're cultivating, then you don't have to wait. You don't have to wonder, how will this come out? Will I achieve shamatha? As if, will I get into Harvard or will I get a Porsche? You may or may not, but if you don't get into Harvard, you didn't get a little bit of Harvard, you got none of Harvard. You're just a tourist when you finish, when you, when you visit Cambridge Mass. But you don't get any of the privileges. They don't give you, well, you get 5% in. You know, you get nothing or you get the whole bag. The Shama is not like that. Alright. You're cultivating, cultivating. So as we turn to the cultivation of love and kindness, Let's include ourselves. Arouse the aspiration, but the aspiration is neither hope nor fear. That's very important. Hope or fear is all about the future. What will happen? How long will it take? How, how fast am I progressing? Has Helen achieved it? Or is he a big, big, big phony? Has anybody achieved it? Nobody achieved it? What chance do I have? Blah, blah, blah. There's no end to that conversation. And it's a useless conversation. That's why I'm encouraging you not to have it. Right? It's a useless conversation. If you go right back and say, you know, if there are a million people out there who have achieved shamatha, that doesn't tell me that I'm going to. If nobody's achieved shamatha, that doesn't mean I can't. If Alan achieved it in three months, maybe it'll take me 3,000 years. If Alan hasn't achieved it, maybe I can achieve it in three months. You know, it's an open question. So it, why ask futile questions? Go back. If you're, if you're confident the teachings are authentic, put them into practice and find out for yourself. Right? So let's fuse 
let's fuse our practice of shamatha with the cultivation of loving kindness. Okay? Because I think all sentient beings want bliss, they want luminosity, and they want stillness, one way or another, however they conceive of it. And they all can. So why couldn't they? They could. So may it be so. Okay? Good. Find a comfortable decision. To avoid the ever-oscillating syndrome of hope and fear. Let's begin each session with confidence. The confidence that we really can, with increasing expertise, settle the body in its natural state. We can cultivate this ability, this quality of physical presence. Relaxed, still, and vigilant. And even if you haven't perfected the art of allowing the respiration to settle in its natural rhythm, a very subtle endeavor, you know how to do it, and you can get better at it. As you relax deeply and release fully with every outbreath. Release your hopes and fears just for this little while. 
with regards to all hedonic pursuits. Set your mind at ease and stillness in the present moment. For just a little while, rest in open presence, open to all the six sense fields, but not roving about, letting your awareness rest in stillness, unmoved by the appearances coming and going. Each time you settle your body, speech, and mind in this way, let it be an expression of loving kindness for yourself, doing yourself some good. Preparing the soil for cultivating good a good crop. And then move by the power of imagination from this realm of actuality to possibility. And envision now, if you will, how you would love to unfold, to mature, to evolve as a human being. Focusing not so much on what you hope to receive from the world, which you may or may not get, but how you internally would love to transform, shape yourself like a potter shapes a pot, such that you can find the happiness you seek by cultivating its inner causes.
with each outbreath arouse the aspiration. Why couldn't this be so? Why couldn't you find such well-being? And when you see there is no good reason, then with each outbreath arouse the yearning, you may fill your whole being with the light from your heart, breathe life into this vision, breath by breath. Imagine it becoming true, here and now. This is an exercise in establishing a direction, finding a path, and devoting ourselves to it. In this way we move beyond the dichotomy of hope and fear, waiting for something good to happen and afraid that it won't. We are cultivating the good from moment to moment. Then direct your awareness outwards. You may invoke, call to mind, someone who is already very dear to you. And as you breathe out your aspiration of love and kindness, you may certainly include 
their own hopes, their wishes for hedonic well-being. These are not insignificant. But their realization certainly is unpredictable. So focus, if you will, more deeply on their realization of genuine happiness, on their cultivation of the causes of such well-being. With each out-breath, wish them well. Let your attention rove at will. Attending closely, letting each person become as real as possible for you by way of your close attention and your open heart.
release all appearances and let your awareness rest. Gradually descending into that substrate, replete with bliss, luminosity, and non-conceptuality. Between sessions, between these sessions that we have collectively, some of you are more inclined, some less inclined, to devote time to the meditative cultivation of each of these four measurables. And that's really up to you. I can't, I can't tell you you should desire this and you should desire that. But however much you may be formally practicing these, apart from our group time together, Bearing in mind that, just for starters, loving-kindness is not just a feeling or an emotion, it's an aspiration. Right? So, we set a direction with these early morning sessions. Or not that early. We set a direction of aspiration. And insofar as you can maintain that direction, that sense of kind of a subliminal, quiet, implicit aspiration right, throughout the course of the day. That all sentient beings means, for all practical purposes, everyone who comes to mind and everyone you encounter. That will do. Right? When you're, when you're a Buddha, I guess all sentient beings is actually all sentient beings. But for us, until then, all sentient beings, for practical purposes, are every person who comes to mind and every person you encounter. You see them, what have you. And so if you're just maintaining implicitly this wish, may each one, each one, may you find happiness the cause of happiness. And that's how you attend, with the eyes of loving kindness. Then you're practicing. Then you're practicing. So even if you don't spend a whole lot of time imagining sentient beings and imagining light and imagining this, you can actually have the sentient beings actually dished up to you and then just attend to them with an open heart. That would be enough. I think. Who knows? Enjoy your day. See you a little bit later.